Hello, and welcome to Alone in the Boondocks. My name is Andrew. And my name's Tyler. And this week, our plan was to talk about uh, a demonstration that the both of us attended in uh, the the county seat of our, our small community. Um, it, it was, an I would say, an overwhelming success. We saw a lot of solidarity. Um, I, I hope that the, that the, um, the black population and the people of color in our community felt the solidarity with us. Uh, we had people from all walks of life there with us. And I, I don't know, what would you say, Tyler? I think like 80% of the people who drove past showed support in some manner, even if it was just, you know, a wave, um, the whole way up to people honking their horns, hanging out their windows, pumping their fists. Yeah. Um, I mean... I would yeah I would say eighty maybe eighty five percent honestly I mean growing up in in that small area I mean I don't currently live there now but I've spent most of my life there I honestly expected more you know vitriol and and resistance to it I was very excited to see even, I mean being neutral is not a good thing either you should be for the Black Lives Matter movement but it was nice to not just be shit on all yeah, day. Yeah, absolutely. And have constant conflict. Yeah, and that's not to say that we didn't, unfortunately, see outright, ugly, grotesque, flagrant racism. Um, we did, but it was. I was also surprised how little of it we saw. Um, so, And we do want to talk about that, and we want to take a chance to talk about that at a, at a moment that feels more appropriate. So we're going to address that in a later episode, um, simply focusing on activism in a rural community. But with everything going on this week, our plan is to do a really quick episode here because there are a lot of black voices out there right now that have way more informed perspectives than the two of us. Um, so while we're going to do uh, a short little thing here and talk about what we're seeing uh, where we live and in the world at large, because the whole world is watching what's happening right now, um, while we are going to run over a few things, we don't in any way want to take the spotlight away from any of these black voices that are out there. Um, so when you're done with this episode, do yourself a favor and go check out a few uh, podcasts about black and brown issues like The Nod, The New Black Panther Party, The Gifted Connect, the, dif- the I'm sorry, The Gifted Connection with Nathan McClinton, Take the Lead, or Ask a Black Woman. There are so many of them out there. Um, most of them available on just about every platform, but um, they're going to have a more informed, a more firsthand perspective on race issues than either of us. But we are here. We are allies. We just want to make sure that the focus is where it should be. Yeah. And I've also heard a lot of things. I mean, a lot of people think that they can't do anything. Um, you can always donate to the right organizations. And I've also, if you don't have any money, I mean, things, things are tough for everybody right now. There's a lot of, I've seen like YouTube playlists where you just let them run in the background and the ads will benefit persons of color and and black organizations and stuff which is literally the easiest thing you can do just running what what are you doing at home anyways you're going to make a monte cristo sandwich and you're going to just let the ads play are you making monte cristo sandwiches no i i like to eat monte cristo sandwiches out i don't like to make them oh okay i gotcha you're specifically you need to be viewed publicly while you consume your monte cristo Right, right, because it's such a grotesque sandwich. I want people to be like, "Is that guy really eating that?" You're, you're like, also, I do you're want like to say an exhibitionist thing, when it comes to these sandwiches. Absolutely, I do want to say one thing about the protest, just in case the guy that I called out as he was driving past is listening. Um, he can still suck it. So, all right, <laughs> all right. Um, so, 
I do, I also I'm sorry really quickly um, I want to address something else that I said last week in last week's um, podcast because occasionally I listen back to these things and I I think I woefully sound too much like a centrist I try to choose my words carefully and sometimes what comes out is something that is more tame than it should be um, again as a white person I don't want to stoke anything that that um, the the black community or or people of color who I am associated with would not also sign off on, but I also don't want to be a shill or a sellout to the cause that they are, they are advocating for. So as a good ally, it is important, I think, that we are using direct and clear language. And one of the things I said in last week's episode was that my mom never had to talk to me about racism. That just wasn't a thing that we had to talk about because, uh, she didn't teach me to be racist and she listens to the show. Thanks mom. Uh, and she said to me that, that we did have to have that conversation. That was a thing we talked about. Um, because I had questions because it's natural for a child to have questions when they noticed objective differences like skin color. Um, I, I didn't grow up around people who used racist epithets. I heard them at school, uh, especially starting like junior high, I guess. Um, but she said that we did have a conversation about treating people who are different from you with respect. So, um, I hope that that didn't come off last week. Like the, I, I see a bunch of people saying now like, Oh, I'm colorblind. I don't see color. And while I think that that can come from, I think that can come from a spirit of positivity. I think it, I think it ultimately fails addressing what we need to address here. Um, and that is that white fragility has made us nervous about talking about race for a long time because in issues of race, white folks are 99 out of 100 times the aggressor. Um, so, so we're, I mean, I think it's natural to be uncomfortable with it, but I think it's important that we address that discomfort and we push through it because we're not going to effectively be in process. We're not going to effectively advocate or, or be effective allies if we aren't pushing ourselves through those things. So I think that says a lot about your character, though, almost that you, you kind of forgot that your mom had that conversation with you because it just shows that ultimately at the end of the day, um, the, a person that's different from you doesn't really matter. Like you're still... A to B, you're still people, and you still treat each other with the the right amount of respect. Like, right, right, yeah, yeah. My point just being, and I mean that that was one of the things that she tried to make clear for me was that we had to have a conversation about there are people in the world who simply because they look differently from you will be treated horribly by people who will treat you well, and that's that's a really complex thing for a kid like that. I mean, that's a conversation that now it's hitting me. I'm going to have that have to have that conversation with my daughter at some point. And I think that that's, it's difficult to approach that in a, in a way that is sincere and gentle enough for a child. It has to be sincere because you can't gloss over it. You can't make it sound like it's uh, low impact, but also, right. You know, a, a, a six year old, a seven year old, doesn't have the the mental complexity to understand systemic 
centuries long, millennia long hatred amongst groups of people who don't. That's funny because there's people our age that don't understand it either. Right. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, that has a lot to do with the fact that they've never had to answer the hard questions because they've never themselves felt like the other in a situation. So it, it makes it hard, I think. And again, I'm not giving any racists the out. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing is wrong, even if they say they think it's right. Um, well, maybe that's not even true, I guess. I mean, I think some people are so far down the rabbit hole that they truly believe them themselves to be on the right side of things. Anyway, I'm rambling, and I said I was going to try to make this quick, but that's that's my point. Um I, I thought it was as simple as if you're never taught that all people are, you know, inherently different, then you will naturally treat people with respect. But that's not the case because the, 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 the macrocosm that, that is existent in the entire world and the microcosm of these small rural communities, you still hear other people advocating differently. So if you don't have proactive parents or friends or, or other family members to reel you in and keep you grounded and make you understand how vicious the situation can be, then you can find yourself in a position where you think that the Confederate flag is completely inoffensive and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, the, it's called the heritage, yeah, right. not, hate. yeah, you hear the heritage, you know, you hear the heritage, not hate thing all the time. And, and I think that most of those people are actually, you know, they know what they're doing. They know the, they know what they're advocating for, but I can't help but believe there's a small percentage of people who have just been raised in such an echo chamber that none of the other perspectives get through. They don't understand how this thing that's never hurt them could possibly hurt other people. Um, again, not, that is not the majority of racists. The majority of racists know what they're doing. They are aggressive. They are egregious. Um, and it's not to say that those who are ignorant are blameless, but there is a different, there is a, there is a difference there. I mean, if we're going to talk about, yeah, I know. Okay. Talking. All right. <clears throat> let's, let's give uh let's give a huge props to, uh, cause they, they probably listened to it. The presidents of this, um, NASCAR for banning the use of all Confederate flags at racetracks and on race cars. If anything, that freed up a lot of seats at NASCAR races. Now, maybe not a bad idea to go check one out. Yeah, I mean, I still don't want to watch people drive in a circle for a few hours, but the idea... It's definitely going to be less it's racist. It's definitely more attractive now than it ever was before, so... Now, if only they offered gluten-free and vegan options, we'd be all yeah, right. right. Um, so, we're just going <laughs> to... This, this is our big Willy Beyond <laughs> burger. You can get it for eight ninety five. <laughs> I'd try it. Oh, yeah, I'm not... I would probably try it. Um... So we're just gonna we're just gonna for, as as outside observers as dedicated allies we just want to talk about um, some of the things that we've seen happen nationwide since these protests have started. Um, we've heard detractors say, "Oh, these protests aren't doing anything. Nothing good is coming from them. It's just burning and looting." Which so we're clear because that is incredibly overblown. Burning and looting was a very small portion of these demonstrations. Again, owning my privilege, I don't really have the right to tell black folks who are disenfranchised that that's not a good way to go about doing what they're doing because they feel like their voices have been removed completely. Yeah, that's 
Yeah, there's a bunch of white people that told a lot of black people they couldn't kneel during the national anthem, and now right. they're upset that they didn't get heard, and now they're doing something to make sure they're heard. Right. You want you want the Burn protests. Target down. You want things to be peaceful so that you can ignore them. That's what it is. You, yeah. I mean, it's hard to ignore anything that's you know mayhem. Um, yeah, it's it's easy to ignore a group of people of color on the sidelines of a football game kneeling because you can just say, oh, "I'm going to cancel my NFL ticket." Right. Little harder to ignore a burning target. Right. Which the the president of Target came out basically, and and I'm paraphrasing vastly here, but basically said, "I'm a multi billionaire. I can rebuild those." Um, black folks. Have oh been yeah, dis- did, have I you seen see that? that as well? I thought that. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I I quickly glanced through it on Reddit. I think I saw yeah. that. And I mean, again, I like, good, eat, good on that eat, guy. Eat the rich, but eat him slightly less. So yeah. Um. Burn, burn half a target down. Maybe just like kids closing back. Not all of it. Okay. I, yeah, I don't. Sorry that I chose kids clothes yeah, first. That was, I mean, that was I don't a weird. Know. That's a weird place to localize. <laughs> start. Or do you want to start, start shampoo? The, do you want to start shampoo? Well, yeah, I guess I would go back to like I lawn thought, care. Is it, I guess it's not lawn care. It's where the Christmas decorations are at in the way back corner. Oh. That area is probably very fun. Right, that's my point. So, so. Not, not a hard spot to start a yeah. fire. Again, hey guys, All right. we, we're joking. We're not advocating for yeah. violence, but we're also not going to tell people that they're doing anything wrong. Um, if I if, mean, according to Donald Trump, we are also Antifa members right, too. Yeah, right, because that's a real organization. Um, I did order a truckload of bricks on Amazon. Well, they didn't come in time, so... No. Thanks, thanks, Jeff not. Bezos. Um, <laughs> all right. So, first of all, all four of the officers involved in George Floyd's death have been arrested and charged at this point. Um, Do Derek, we know what all the charges are? Well, I I know that Derek Chauvin or Chauvin, the actual murderer, um, his charges were elevated from third degree murder to second degree murder. Um, I, frankly, I think that should be first degree murder because now we're finding out that. Um, he and George Floyd worked at a nightclub together, and yes, I you know I just heard that this morning actually, and they there was a coworker that knew both of them asking if the officer knew George Floyd, and the guy was like, without a doubt, he knew who he was when he killed him. Yeah, like a hundred percent, he knew exactly who he was. Right, and and again, not to get into any of the tabloid aspects of it, but there was static between the two of them, um, which to me, if you if you dislike a person and you show up and you're given a license to kill them and then you kneel on their neck for nearly nine minutes despite their their begging you to stop and then that person is dead, that seems a lot more like premeditated murder to me. That seems a lot more like first degree. Um, right. I could be wrong. I, I, you know, we, we gave ourselves in the first episode our license to be utter hypocrites and completely wrong about things, but... That to me, as a non, I got my license in the I got my license in the mail the other day. Did you? Uh, as a non-legal scholar, though, that that to me sounds like first-degree manslaughter or first-degree murder. I'm sorry, uh, but no, I'm not. I I I should know, but I'm not 100% what the other uh, charges are. I'll see if I can find that. Do you want to talk about our next item? Yeah, so uh, another thing that's come through um, with all the protests and stuff, the Minnesota Department of Human Rights filed a civil rights charge against the Minnesota Police Department in connection with George Floyd's death, which is huge. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty enormous. Uh, The charges, by the way, Thomas Lane, J. Alexander Kung, and Toh Tao, 
Thou. I'm sorry, I'm not probably saying that right. Uh, they each they they face two charges each of aiding and abetting uh, because they stood by while a man was murdered and did not stop him. That sounds like uh, textbook aiding and abetting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so also the the Minneapolis officials have agreed to ban the use of chokeholds. Um, other 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 officials are supposed to be doing the same thing. I've heard outcry from other cities as well. Um, time and again, we see police officers performing holds that are supposedly banned by the order or the the um, department they belong to. Um, Eric Garner in New York City, when he was suffocated to death, um, despite being protected by the police union, the officer who, who murdered him um, did use an illegal hold. They, they were not supposed to be doing outright choke holds as he did to him. Um, so take that for what it's worth. Also, we've seen that Minneapolis officials have agreed. Oh, no, we already. I'm sorry. We, I'm not even going to lie. The fact we had a technical difficulty and we just rejoined this. This is my fault. So anyways, we're actually on to talking point number four here. L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti pledged to redirect as much as $150 million from the LAPD budget to youth jobs, health initiatives and peace centers, according to the Los Angeles Times. And th- this is part of a, a larger conversation we're seeing happen in the country now in individual cities where they're they're looking at exactly what it is that we're putting under the purview of police officers that would be better done by social workers and mental health affiliates and teachers and all these other things that are consistently poorly funded in lieu of giving that money to to police office, police officers, um, and I don't mean directly to their salary, but effectively militarizing um, police forces. Um, what we what we're seeing right now is that individual cities have police budgets that are far above the entire military budgets of other nations, uh, which is remarkable. I just saw that the NYPD has a higher budget than the entire military of the Ukraine, which again, I don't have the populations in front of me. New York is like 8.2 million. Uh, and Ukraine is, I'm not even going to guess. I think, I think in the ballpark, I'll get you of, a number. I think in the ballpark of 50 million. Um, but I mean, it's pretty remarkable when you, when you compare those things. Hey, you're pretty good. It's uh, 41.98 million. As okay. Of 2019. Okay. Um, Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York, says he's going to cut that budget. We'll we'll see what happens. Um, and Minneapolis has committed to completely dismantling its police department, which leads us to a horrible misunderstanding and communication, again, that I think is very intentional upon the people, upon the part of the people on the right. Um, and that being when people say defund police forces, or uh, they're not Ooh, saying... Oh, I got a game for us to play. Tell me you're going to defund the police. Hey, I'm going to defund the police. But who are you going to call when you need somebody? Right. That's that's what we're hearing. Uh, the, the, a calls to defund the police is not a call to get rid of any type of law enforcement and live under total abject anarchy. That is not what that is. Um, it, that, it, is that is Andrew uh, seventh grade. Anarchy symbols everywhere. Yeah, yeah, but I even 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 junior high <laughs> anarchist to me, even junior high anarchist to me, I put anarchist in quotes here because I had no clue what anarchy actually was. Um, 
I never would have said like we society doesn't need police officers. I never would have said that. Um, no government. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Tyler, do you see the one I have highlighted? Do you want to read that one? Yeah. Confederate statues have been taken down across the, across the country. Which is it's it seems remarkable that there are Confederate statues still in place. Right. Literal traitors to the nation. Um, Guess guess how many Nazi statues are prominently displayed in uh, squares in Germany today? I'm going to probably say zero. Yeah. I thought you were going to actually do (laughs) you're going to be like, uh, probably three, three or four. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to say zero. It Given seemed, the square mileage of Germany, with yeah, the... it seems nuts to me that that's still a thing, and it's still defended by people. It's it's defended by people in the north, even. I, I don't I don't get <laughs> it's, it. It's heritage, not hate. Yeah, that's often what you hear again. But you hear that, but you also hear people say, um, "Well, how will we learn without the statues?" I don't know about you. I've never looked at a statue and learned anything from it. Um, I'm not saying we should burn all Confederate relics, put them in a museum, let us learn, actually learn from them. Statues and monuments and memorials are there to aggrandize the people that are depicted. They're not there to teach you about them. That's, that is the most broke ass way of thinking. I've, I, and again, I think it's a hundred percent intellectually dishonest to say that. I, I Again, I think that 99.9% of the people who say, but what will we learn if we don't have our statutes, don't care about education. They don't care about learning. They care about attributing some messianic value to Robert E. Lee uh, and Jefferson Davis. That was going to be my example. Oh, no, what are we going to do? You took down our Robert E. Lee statue that I've seen never. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Um. Cities, Minneapolis, Denver, Portland, Oregon. I don't know about Portland, Maine. Um, are Probably. Removing feel, Portland, Maine, I feel, is a very progressive city. So. The, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, removing police resource officers from, from public schools. So, um, again, this is what we're seeing in a lot of areas of the, of the country is by bringing police into schools, we remove the ability for, for students to learn from mistakes. Instead, we criminalize them and put them on a fast track to uh, prison um, and, uh, and records that will follow them for the rest of their lives. Um, we see this in cities. We don't see it as much in rural schools. I know how many things at the school that I teach at have kind of just been slap on the wrist. We're not going to make this a big, big deal because we don't want to cripple you with this for the rest of your life. Again, you can argue whether that is following things to the spirit of the law or the letter of the law. Um, But if we examine this from an ethical value, which again, as a non-legal expert, as a non-ethics expert as well. um, But if we examine this from an ethical uh, standpoint, should we be getting 15-year-olds on uh, a criminal track for, you know, possession of marijuana charges. I, I don't think so. I, I don't think anyone would argue that that is the direction to go, because ultimately uh, the penal code is not there to rehabilitate or teach. It is there to punish. Also, I would love to talk about the marijuana issue at some point. As somebody who I feel like I grew up, like we all grew up thinking, like 
oh, marijuana's the devil. That's the devil's lettuce. And I mean, me being 100% straight edge was always like, if you do drugs, you're a terrible person. But you know, I've, I've found out as I find out that literally almost everybody I know, I feel like, smokes pot at this point. Um, you, It's fine. Nobody cares. You shouldn't care. Right. Or just eat it in a cookie or something. Also, I'm sorry that my regressive person voice is always, I don't know what I'm talking about. I've only got one voice. Uh, number 10 here is uh, Brianna's Law is being discussed in Louisville. The ordinance would regulate no-knock warrants. So, uh, Brianna Taylor murdered in her bed. Um, shot to death. 22 shots were fired, eight of which hit her. She never got out of her bed. Uh, it was, I believe, three plainclothes police officers kicked the door in, murdered her, her boyfriend, uh, with a licensed firearm, fired back. Kentucky being a stand-your-ground state, he was completely um, within his rights. Still arrested, still taken in uh, for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Um, meanwhile, the warrant had already been fulfilled, and the person they were looking for was in custody. So we, the state... The, the, these police officers effectively murdered someone in their sleep because they didn't do due diligence in this case. Yeah, what the fuck is that? It's the person was already in jail. Yep. Like you, that's a, that's a big part of your job is to find out who's in jail, who's not in jail. You find the people not in jail, you put them in jail. If they're already in jail, they don't need to go to jail. They're already there. Right. You know, there's I my. My father-in-law, anytime I do any work with him, he's always telling me, you know, measure twice, cut once. Because I am very quick to, like, oh, I got the measurement, you know, mark it, uh, cut it. And then I'm like, oh, shit, this is short. This is not good. Uh, I used to do that way more than I do now. I'm slightly more uh, competent. But the fact that, you know, we take that we take that regard seriously in terms of, uh, you know, carpentry or any any type of handyman type thing because uh we might waste supplies right that's that's the worst that can happen is i i cut a two by four and i need to run back down to the hardware store and get a new one because i I ruined this uh and these police officers didn't even double check the address that they were at before without knocking kicking the door in and i can't stress this enough shooting someone eight times while they were in their own bed staggering yeah and they they only hit eight shots they fired 22 times right so i mean i am not a a gun aficionado but if they were holding each had a handgun how many how many bullets in a magazine on a handgun that's really actually information i don't know yeah is it 11 I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it would. It would depend also on the standard, like what it, what their sidearm was specifically. Right. And I don't know. What so that we would can be. almost assume that they each probably fired half of a magazine. Yeah. At this person. Right. At her. Right. In the in the her general area. I yeah. just don't understand. I can't. I can't wrap my brain around. Uh, also accomplished, the Dallas Police Department announced numerous new policies, including the duty to intervene when force is being inappropriately applied or is no longer required. 
That is effectively putting into place a system like what public educators have, at least in the state of Pennsylvania. If I know that the, that one of my fellow teachers is doing something unethical uh, or dangerous, especially to a student, it is my job to make sure that that is reported. If I do not report it, if I do not stop them, I will also get fired when it comes to light. Um, there is very little recourse for police reporting on other police. Um, in fact, in dozens of cases, when police have attempted to stop each other from doing something, it ends up with them losing their job uh, or getting sued or in some cases being so heavily harassed by their fellow police officers that they kill themselves. Um, th this is one of the only public service career fields out there like that, that, it, that does not have the ability for professionals to try to keep each other in line. Um, so this is, this is positive that we're seeing something like that come up in Dallas. Hopefully that spreads to other uh, cities as well. Right. The fact that this isn't, you know, standard course of action is kind of mind boggling, too. Yeah. So also, it, uh, I just actually heard this on the radio today as well. Tulsa will not renew its contract with the TV show Live PD, which I've never seen. I mean, maybe I've seen it in passing, but evidently it was a gigantic show. Yeah. I, I've, I've heard about it, I think, on um, last week tonight, the John Oliver show. It was on A&E? AMC? Uh, it was on A&E, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it sounds to me, it was basically like Cops, the show, but like kind of bumped up a little bit to be made more salacious. Is that... I think so. Yeah. yeah I'm not 100% sure. I've not really... Yeah, I think I've seen the clip here and there, but I've never really seen an actual episode. Yeah. Um, but it seems like it's for the best. You know, that's not something that needs to be broadcast worldwide currently. No, no. Uh, House Democrats have proposed a police reform bill. Uh, it is not thorough. Uh, it's a little toothless. Um, I, I, I want to believe that's because they know that it's going to have to be, in order to get Republicans to give it any support whatsoever, uh, it's going to have to be slight, um, which is terrifying even to say. I hope that's why it is what it is, um, and that it's not the fact that there's still enough sway in the Democratic Party by people who wish to abuse their authority. I'm hoping. I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping it's the prior and not the latter, but I don't know. Um, anyways... Uh, I mean, look at it for what it is, that at least there's some action being taken at the federal level. So it also looks like what's coming of this is that IBM is going to stop selling their facial recognition program for mass surveillance or racial profiling. Which is really a major thing. Um, one of the big things that we, we saw in the, the last six months in the Hong Kong protests was that protesters were covering their faces because the Chinese government was using facial recognition programs um, to identify who was where, how protesters were moving about the city, um, things like that. It is, if this became a widespread um, method of surveillance 
on public streets especially, this would become a, a scary level of intelligence that people would be able to acquire about you without your consent. Um, at the very least, when you are using Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and giving tech companies a lot of information about yourself, whether you know it or not, you did sign an end user license agreement that said you knew that that was happening. Um, again, none of us read those. I understand. Uh, I was going to say, did you read it? No, no, no me either. No, no one ever has. Um, Who's got time for that? The print, the print's too small. Yeah. Uh, but that's, I mean, I think that's definitely a positive thing coming out of this. If they're not going to, uh, if they're not going to sell it at all anymore, that's, that's incredible. That's a big move. Hopefully other tech companies will follow suit, but I, uh, I doubt that'll happen. Our last one, and again, this is vague, but we've seen millions of dollars donated to Black Lives Matter um, in the past two weeks. It's been remarkable. Um, this has, in a lot of ways, th there are people who, before the happenings of the last two and a half weeks, um, would have said that they were not supporters of Black Lives Matter. Not even because necessarily they were racist, but because they... they <sighs> I don't know, naivete. They didn't understand the gravity of what it is that they were advocating for. Um, and these people have turned around and begun donating to Black Lives Matter, which is remarkable. Um, if you haven't, if you haven't had the opportunity to do that yet and you have a few dollars, please do. Please consider doing that. And, and as Tyler said, if you, if you don't have the financial resources to do that, there are a million other ways to be an advocate and to be an ally. The resources are out there. Yeah, I'm not sure what is planned for our small community, if there will be another protest. But if there is, reach out to me. I'll give you all the information for it if we have one. Come out and stand with us. That being said... If you don't have the money, if you don't have the money get out on the street and do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's, especially at, at the very least, to get to the heart of the issue, for you to stand um, in solidarity with um, fellow people of color or, or with just people of color that you are an ally of, if you are a white person, like both of us, um, you being there in support with open ears and an open heart, it, it does mean something. Um, be careful. We've seen it. Be careful of the white savior mentality It is, uh, not the worst thing in the world, but it is pervasive and it is ultimately damaging, um, to the, to the movement. Um, but don't be inactive. Anything you can do to, to raise awareness, to spread the word, to be a helping hand, um, I, I promise you it will be appreciated. Yeah, this might sound like some weird hippie shit and whatever, but like the, the energy I felt being there on that street corner on Saturday was like, it was powerful. Like I would get goosebumps every once in a while, you know, when somebody would drive by and beep yeah. and throw a fist out the air and stuff. You're like, it's... It was maybe like one of the first times in my life I felt like I was doing something that was maybe going to make a change eventually. Yeah. And that's my brother was with us. And uh, when we were walking back to the cars, he said, I said, are you glad you came out? Because he was he was hesitant and not because he didn't believe in the cause, but because we had received a few threats ahead of time from three percenters and militia folks who thought that we were uh, going to come and raise the city or something. Um 
but but he came out and I said, are, were you, are, you know, are you happy you came out? He said, I almost cried every time someone honked. And again, too, this yeah, is I, not. I feel that I feel the same way. That's like 100 percent. Yeah. I'm right there with him. And I, I, I don't in any way like it sounds like we're patting ourselves on the back. That's not what this is. I'm not saying we led any of this. I'm not saying, oh, where would where would people of color be without white allies like us? That's not it at all. It is it is humbling to be able to advocate um for people who have been systemically uh, oppressed based on their race. Um, if you've ever watched Star Wars and felt moved by it, this should be a cause that you are out there working for. That's really it. Do you want to do you want to do your recommendations? Um, yeah, so I actually just recently picked up a book from a gentleman by the name of, Brian Ford, who is this uh, Haitian gentleman who just is a great baker. It's all about sourdough bread, and I honestly can't wait to start baking shit. So nice. It's like all it's the use of sourdough discard. Anybody familiar with sourdough baking knows that when you're making a sourdough starter, you discard half of it to feed it so it grows more rapidly. So this is the book entails a lot of like what you use with your discards and stuff. Um, he makes like sourdough chocolate chip cookies. Oh, Which cool. seems interesting as a as a connoisseur of the chocolate chip cookie. I uh, am very excited to try these. Yeah. Um, also, great cook, terrible baker. Got to learn how to bake better. You are a terrible baker. Yes. Oh, hundred okay. percent. Terrible baker. Um, I've got I've got two recommendations this week. Um, number one, I'm gonna try to just do. Uh, I uh, RTJ four came out this week. Um, yes, I knew I knew one of us would say something about it. If it wasn't me, it was gonna be you. Yeah, half of Run the Jewels is Killer Mike, uh, a black man from Atlanta, a, uh, an absolute inspiration, uh, a, an, an incredible activist. Uh, the other half is LP, a white ally, um, in in respect of giving voice to or gi- uh, you know giving spotlight to black voices above all. RTJ Four uh, by Run the Jewels, fantastic album. It seems really any really any Run the Jewels release. Yeah, just listen true. to the discography. It, it it's I it struck me especially with the music video for Ooh La La. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Oh, such a great song. It just seems so appropriate with what's going on right now. And that I mean I, I just Killer Mike I feel like is always on point with his message. It's not to say that they don't have some songs that are just you know you know songs. right yeah. yeah not everything is the magnum opus, uh, but. It really, really, really good album. Um, and then the book I want to plug this week, I bought, um, oh, I don't know. I want to say fall of last year and I didn't read it. And again, that has a lot to do with, uh, I bought it as a white ally and I thought to myself, good job. Good job, Andrew. Um, one day you'll read this and you're going to learn and grow from it, but learning and growth can wait. So we'll just put it aside. Um, I have started it now in, in light of what has happened. Uh, it shouldn't have taken that to make me start it. But anyway, the book is how to be an anti-racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Um, incredibly well-reviewed. I, I am, I am maybe 30 pages into the book and already, um, it illuminates things that I accepted as a white man without realizing the racist implications of some of them. Um, it's, it's, it's been awesome. I'm hoping that it will be, um, the, the start of some new ways of thinking for me. I'm hoping that it will, um, 
illuminate how to be a better ally, how to be a better anti-racist. Um, and my next, the next book that I, I think I will read after this then, I'll be borrowing from a friend, but it's called, I think just called White Fragility, um, which addresses specifically why we as white folks are uncomfortable discussing race. And I touched on that a little bit earlier in this episode, so I won't yarn on about that any longer. But do you have any, any closing statements, any, any sentiments? Just that it felt great to be out there Saturday. It was, and you know, it was a little warm in the, in the afternoon. The sun was beating down on us, but like when I left there, I looked at my wife and I was like, we, we did something good today. Like I don't inherently do bad things every day. I mean, it's, not a lot of cars on the highway. I drive a little faster than I probably should, whatever. But you set the cruise at 80, you get to work real quick. Um, but it just felt it felt good to be out there. Maybe we're not causing gigantic change, but it's a start. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Um, my name's Andrew. And my name's Tyler. And we are alone in the boondocks. And we're getting one step closer to alchemy.